if you had a partner or spouse who cheated on you, would you stay with them and why or why not? If I had a partner or spouse that cheated on me. Mm -hmm. Like a long-term partner. This can't be like a like someone, a, three. this is not a three-month deal. This is like, oh, we may have a mortgage together, kids together, a life together of some sort. Okay. It's got to be someone you're invested in. Okay, invested in. I would still have to say I would leave. I would not. For sure. For sure, no. Why? I think probably because of my pride. Yeah. I think I would struggle. I think if people found out, I'd be really just like embarrassed. Um, then I honestly think that I would just be like seeking out more problems. I just, yeah, I think I'd be a waste of time. I would not. Why not? Because if they cheat once, there's a possibility that they will continue to cheat. There are some questions in life that you just can't answer until you've had certain experiences. At least that's what this week's guest seems to think. And I do too, after talking with her. But let me back up. Here's a question I posted the other day on Instagram. If your spouse cheated, would you stay with him or her and why or why not? Now, a lot of you apparently know the answer to this question, and that is a resounding no way. I thought the same thing. But then I interviewed Charity Craig. Charity is a marriage coach, a podcast host, a mom of four. But for the purposes of this discussion, she is something simpler a survivor of a marital affair. Now, survivor sounds like a strong word to use, but if you know someone who's lived through an affair, you know it is a full body and mind-altering, life-changing, psychologically damaging experience. One that can really bring you down. So yes, survivor. When Charity's husband cheated, she stayed. And she says it actually ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to their marriage. I know. Charity talks with me in this week's episode all about the nuance and self-reflection involved in healing from an affair. She even gets vulnerable and tells me the ways that she thinks she contributed to it. I know. Now, this is one conversation you cannot miss, and one question you may answer a little differently after hearing her story. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. So, Charity, thank you so much for joining me today on We Gotta Talk. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to chat with you and share my story and hopefully give someone some hope in their dark story. It is a dark moment. I think, Charity, the stuff you talk about either is is creates pretty extreme reactions in people, right? You probably have the group of people who've experienced it and either did the same thing you did or didn't. They stayed or they mm -hmm. went. And then the people who are like, they swear they would know what they would do. If my husband cheated, I'd be out the door. Mm -hmm. But you stayed. And mm -hmm. it almost feels like when I say that, it's like a judgment call of some sort. Like, you know, ugh, how could you stay? Like, I, I don't mean for it to come out like that. Oh my God, right, no, you stayed. Fine. But yeah. like, you stayed. And this was back in 2012. And, and I want you to take us back to that time because I think there are a lot of people, especially women out there who are like, how and why? Yeah. Yeah. So I think to be fair, I think we all sort of have an idea of what we would do. And most of us say I would be out the door. I was one of those people. You, you just have that. You just, we, well, in our society, it's just, you, there's no, that's a hard line where I'm out the door, but until you're faced with it, until you're the one standing there in the living room, when your whole world blows apart, that's when you've got a, something different, right? That's when you have a different perspective. And so for me, you know, I was one of those people that said I would never do it. But then when you love someone, you've spent 
years, giving them your heart and your life and you have children and you have history and, and you, you built this life together. It doesn't just go away. And I think what, what kept coming up for me is I just kept, it didn't make sense to me because, you know, Matt and I were so close and we were best friends and we, I truly knew he loved me and I truly, um, loved him. And so it just didn't make sense to me. And so I kept thinking, you know, if we could just make it through this, if I could just get, figure this out, I, I think we can make it through. I think we can get through this. And so it's just something that I just innately felt within me. I didn't know how it was not easy, but that was just kind of my deep feeling when it all sort of blew up for me. If you're not if you're comfortable and not uncomfortable doing it, I'd love to for you to take us back to the moment, like how you found out. Are you comfortable going there? Is it triggering? Yeah, no, okay. no, it's like, not. Did it I've feel done... like someone just like chopped your body in half? Like, I, I like to describe it as it, it felt like just a grenade blew up and just everything blew up, and you're so stunned. You know, when you think of that first moment, you're so stunned. It doesn't like your brain can't compute what is just happened. And so for me, I had a sense for a long time before it was revealed. So I do believe Mm -hmm. a lot of women, we have that sixth sense and we can, we can feel when something isn't right. Um, And, you know, you can't quite put your finger on it. So there was, there was several months of that going on. And, And so I, 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 no, keep going, but I, I want to hear specifics on this. You said you knew. I knew. I knew. Almost, and he always jokes about how did you, you know, I almost knew from the minute it happened and it just started. And so what were you noticing? I, I, um, he asked me to check the weather on his phone. And when I opened it, there was a text message with one of his coworkers There was nothing out of the ordinary. It just was a little too friendly. Just a, it was just a little too friendly to be a coworker conversation, mm-hmm. and that's all I had. That's it. That's all I had. And so then I just kept my eyes open. I just kept doing my research, you know, like just being the investigator. And then I finally got the information I needed, and I found our our um, phone records. I found it on our phone records. Just hours and hours of conversations all throughout the day, every day. And it was the same number. And so I knew this was what I had been, my fear, my fear of what, so I confronted him and he, he immediately came clean and said, yes. And so it just was one of those, you know, you kind of, you get kicked into the dark, you know, swirling waters. You just, I, you can't make sense of it. And so Mm -hmm. that that initial shock just kind of stuns you. And then once the shock wears off, that's when, you know, hell break, all hell breaks loose and it just, everything blows up, everything goes sideways. And so for our situation, it did not, I thought as soon as it was exposed that he was just going to like fall at my feet asking for forgiveness. It did not happen like that. It went the total opposite direction. He actually felt like he was in love with this person and actually left for this other person. And so it was eight months of hell. It was complete hell. Um, And so it took, it took me a long time, you know, in that situation, when you, you get in that, you know, everything blows up, 
it, it, it destroys your self-esteem. It, it, everything you thought to be true and real about your life is just, you, you, everything feels like a lie. You, can, you don't know what's what's up or down. And so there was so much chaos within me, within in between us. So it took quite a few months before I finally got my footing again. And once I got my footing and, and I was able to think a little clear, that's when I was able to truly make my commitment. So what I ended up doing and, and coming to the realization, I realized, you know, I made a commitment. I made a vow and a promise for better or for worse till death do us part. And just because he broke that promise doesn't mean I had to break it. And so I sort of just dug my feet in and said, I'm keeping my promise. And so I had to keep my promise alone for eight months. And at the end, you know, and so what I ended up telling myself was, you know, I was released of my promise when it, when he filed for divorce and he finalized it, that's when I knew I could move on. I could, I could go, carry on knowing that I loved until the very end. And so that's kind of what kept me staying through it all. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's so many questions I have. I'm going to go back and I do want to sort of get to the happy ending part of your story for lack of a better term. And because I, I do want to offer a ray of hope or um, even like a, a possible roadmap for people who are going through this, but there are a lot of questions I have along the way. Okay. The signs you noticed, you said it was a gut feeling. You said it was communication that felt overly familiar did you hire a PI? Did you start tracking him? Like I need stalker details now because yeah. I want to tell fellow women out there. And I mean, I'm sure men too go through this, but let's be honest. The men usually fuck up. Um, how actually, to- actually statistically women are having affairs more than men at this point, but like what, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Men, women are are exponentially having affairs more than men. Are we just not getting caught because we're smarter? <laughs> oh, I don't. It's all I don't know. I don't know. It's all it's all horrible messy. joke. But no, I'm serious. It is messy. Yeah, and I I don't ever want to speak to this. Um, you know, like with too broad a brush stroke. But I I do think there is a unique dynamic to like a heterosexual marriage, and there this is a tried and true story. Usually they have a baby or they have a couple of kids. The man freaks out and he realizes, oh shit, I'm in this for life. This is my, the rest of my life. And my wife is emotional and she's crazy right now. And we, we may be because we've been through a body and mind altering event, the, maybe the biggest physical event in our lives. And they start freaking out and they, it is, and you know what I say, Charity, it would be funny if it weren't so tragic. Men are so predictable. They're predictable. And I don't want that to be the case, but there is a pattern to this. And like I said, my Instagram messages announcing this episode are, are, are proof enough. And it just never deviates from that typical stereotypical story. I, why do you think it's like always the same thing? I, so I've been doing this for a long time, talking to hundreds and thousands of, of people. And it, it, it almost feels like a, a tragic comedy in how predictable we are as humans. Yes. Just, just in every story, I could almost so many stories I can carbon copy stamp mm-hmm. the situation, how it happened. And, and it, it, and I think it's just kind of speaks to 
uh, human, our wiring, how we're made up. I think a lot of it is um, society, how we have been conditioned to believe that our relationship is to both supposed to be our f- total and complete fulfillment. Um, I think a lot of times we get into relationships. We've, you know, I've realized so many times we've been taught that our spouse is supposed to fulfill everything single desire and need that we have. And when we get, you know, so many years into it, we realize we're still unfulfilled. Our job doesn't fulfill us. Our spouse doesn't fully fulfill us. Life is, you, you get kind of get to that middle of, of life and you're like, is this all life is to life? Mm-hmm. Like we're going through the motions, you know, like you said, there's a lot of life changes. There's a lot of things. And, and I think what happens is, is, is familiarity breeds contempt. And so we start drifting apart. We stop respecting and honoring each other. You know, we start kind of nitpicking at each other. We become our worst enemies in a relationship. And, and I think there's two types of people in relationships. I I think there's one person that will die miserable to -hmm. do the right thing, right? The good spouse that will just be the martyr and just suffer through. And then I believe there's also the other partner that will blow up their life to escape the pain and the misery that they're in. And so I, I believe it. I've seen it over and over again, that there's those two people and, you know, the good spouse that stays in their misery, we get, we get uh, looked at as like, you know, So um, victim, right? We're the victim. And so we can really elevate ourselves as the good spouse. But when you really look under the hood, there was a lot of things that were broke down in the relationship um, that both spouses contributed to. And so it doesn't ever make an excuse for the spouse to step out. but it all kind of plays into it. I think there's just so many of those out external factors that plays into that. Okay. I, I want to talk about the victim mentality and you, you turned a role on its head. And I think, um, I mean, clearly you were the aggrieved party, right? I mean, all things going for this, if this were a, a, a court of law, you'd be the yeah. one offered the damages, right? Uh, because yes. the act happened. But you're 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 hitting on a really interesting point of what each spouse contributes to. But I have I did forget to I I, I kept talking and I want to ask what, how did you get all the details on him cheating? Just tell everybody out there so that they can go and repeat if they need to pi their spouse. Yeah. Oh, so so I think so. This was 2012 when I was doing it. So there was no um, mm. trackers on phones. There was no find your phone. There was no uh, 360. Right. None of those apps were available. So it was still the old school, right? Where you, you weren't out there depend. in a trench coat. What? <laughs> <laughs> you had to depend on where your your spouse had to tell you where he was going to be. That's the only way I knew. And I can remember literally Googling, trying to find tracker devices oh that I, I could put on his charity. phone. Like, you know, there was nothing oh. out there. The only thing I could find that he had to download and he had accepted. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know he's not going to do that. So a lot of it was just you know, just that stalker mindset, you know, I was looking at social media, I was, you know, waiting for him to put his phone down and looking through his phone constantly. And so I think now spouses have a lot easier way of of tracking and finding and seeing, you know, patterns that show where he is or isn't. But I think a lot of times we don't want to believe that about our spouse. Mm -mm. So you get that sense and you're like, no, he would never. No, I'm making it up. You know, so you start, you start dismissing those, those red flags in the beginning Mm -hmm. because you just can't believe that your spouse would ever do that. 
And so once it gets to the point where there is no denying it, you, the, there's the proof right there. That's when that true shock happens. And that's when you actually really get into like crazy stalker mode. That's when you really are like, like real time tracking your spouse. You're, you're getting the emails, you're in the DMS, like you're literally just literally another level. It's another level of existence. I have turned Mm -hmm. on stalker mode before and it is shocking how accurate our intuition is as women too. Again, not to generalize, but I I do think this is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had boyfriends before, long-term boyfriends, and I just always knew. It's just, so when I'm going to explain this inevitably to my daughters someday, I have a son and two daughters and who knows, maybe my son too. I, I feel like I'm going to tell them, you always, how do you know? You just know, you just know. And I think what you hit on charity that's so important is that more powerful than any GPS, more powerful than any tracking system, more powerful than any technology is your instinct. It's your gut. Follow it. You're right. And if you're not 100% right, you're at least trending in the direction. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Okay. So let's do, let's, let's get back to this. So Another surprising part of your story is something you just touched on, which is you feel in some way that your actions as a spouse may have, and I'm using this phrase loosely, contributed to to the way that he was acting. It's a really hard pill to swallow because in the end of the day, like I said, we're looking at it black and white. There's only one person who really screwed up. But what did you learn about yourself in this process and what you did? Yeah. So when I made that got to that point where I didn't know what to do. And I finally was like, you know what? I've made my commitment. I made my promise. I'm sticking to it. So once I made that commitment, I was like, so how did we get here? Like, I just couldn't figure out. And I had a lot of time to think about this because he left. So I was alone a lot. I was, you know, figuring this out on my own. And I had enough awareness that I, you know, I'd read enough relationship books and listened to enough, whatever, to know that it takes to, to have a successful relationship. And so, it, you know, both of you have to have a, 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 to have a healthy relationship. And so I had enough awareness to know that I must have had s- something that I did to contribute to the breakdown of my marriage. And so, you know, I, I, I was able to kind of put it in two different buckets, you know, so here's mm-hmm. the affair. The affair was on him. He made that choice mm-hmm. to have that affair. That was all on him. But every minute leading up to the minute he decided to step out, I had a part to play. Hmm. We both had a part to play in that. And so I just, I sense that there must have been something that was eroding in there, in the relationship. And so I thought, what was, what was, what did I miss? How was I contributing to this? And so to be honest, in the beginning, I thought it was going to be, you know, like we didn't have sex enough. I wasn't sexy enough. Um, maybe I didn't cook enough meals. Maybe I wasn't whatever. Right. I just, I thought it was just going to be one of those cliche sort of, you know, I wasn't just a good enough wife or whatever, but what I discovered on my own path was quite shocking and it really rattled me a lot to discover. I discovered through this, I got into counseling, you know, I was, I went to counseling to save my marriage. And I always say that counseling um, revealed that I was the one that needed saving. And, you know, because I was the good girl and I was the quiet one, I could, I, 
all of my issues kind of flew under the radar. And so what I discovered behind my good girl mask is that I was actually quite emotionally, uh, very emotionally unhealthy, very codependent. I I didn't think I had anger issues, but I discovered that that silent anger is actually more damaging than that explosive anger. So I was very cold. I was I was a stonewaller, manipulator. I just was very, very unhealthy in my life. And so it, it really shook me. I can remember the day I had um, someone that was kind of walking through it with me and she she was talking and she's like, Hey, have you ever thought about getting into a 12 step program for codependence? And I was so offended that she would insinuate that I was the problem, like that I had a problem. And it just offended me. I like left our meeting. I was like, I gotta go. I was so upset. I went home that night and I was sleeping. I couldn't because I'd never even heard the word codependent at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And so I Googled it. And when I started reading what a codependent was, I just sobbed and cried. Like I could not believe that this my, this person was telling me I had this. It it literally said this codependents are the sickest person in the room. And it just shook me because I'd been the good girl. I had I could have walked away from this and had a rose on my nose and I could have literally everyone would have loved me and hated him. But I, I knew this wasn't going to serve anybody. This wasn't going to help anything because it didn't make sense. And I I just was trying to get to the root as to why this broke down. Mm -hmm. And so to find out that I had a role to play in it, it was a bitter pill. I hear this. And as a professional interacting with you, I, I agree. Even as someone who really lives in the gray space of life, I agree. I think there are contributing factors, but woman to woman, I want to be like, but Charity, you still didn't do anything that bad. I mean, I don't know. I see, but, but I, I understand what you're saying because I do think, I guess if you're looking at it like a scoreboard, right? The cumulative total of the damage you can do as an avoidant personality or as um, like you said, that quiet seething anger. I, there, it maybe it does add up the same in the end. And his big bombshell affair, maybe it does add up the same. And maybe, maybe it's the narrative that needs changing. But there is part of me that just wants to wrap my arms around you and be like, "Girl, this is not on you." And that's that's where the the affair is separate. Here's yeah. the marriage. Here's okay. the affair. Okay. So then, so then we have to work through his whole breakdown, right? So there's a second half. Okay. There's his whole breakdown. There's his whole contribution. That came much later. That had to come after he the his affair unraveled. Mm-hmm. His fantasy world, the fog lifted, right? So all the things that he had convinced himself cuz a lot of times what happens is the slippery slope of affairs happens where it they slowly start rewriting the story, right? They start mm-hmm. They start telling themselves, you know, like, oh, this person is so funny. My wife never laughs at my jokes or mm-hmm. she's so she's so s- sweet. She listens to me. You know, my wife never listens to me. Like they start rewriting stories to mm-hmm. make them feel better. They make their excuses. They they justify their behavior. And it's a slippery slope. Right. So the first several months is is innocent, right? Like mm-hmm. I saw the the conversation, the text messages, it was nothing that I could have put my finger on. 
but there was still boundaries that were being crossed. And so, so it's a slow, you know, frog in the frying pan sort of mm -hmm. thing. They slowly start justifying these little things until it really does cross over. And by the time it crosses over, they have rewritten the story in their mind to convince themselves that this is love, right? That this person gets me better and this person, whatever. And so by the time they rewrite that story, it's, it's too late. There's mm -hmm. nothing I could have done as a wife to convince him anything other than what he believed. And so, so there's, so now we have to go to his, his lived experience, right? So his lived experience was quite different than mine. Mm -hmm. So he had gone through, you know, so many years, he had such a low self-esteem. He had, we had gone through so many rough times in life and it just became this perfect storm he was working long long hours away from his family all the time and none of these are excuses but they're they're these contributing factors that make mm -hmm. it a perfect storm mm -hmm. that start weakening the foundation and i believe i've seen it over and over again it has nothing to do with a person's character it has nothing to do with a person you know these good strong people that say i would never cheat when you start walking down a dark road and you start your your foundation starts crumbling, you you, you start living unconsciously, right? You start mm -hmm. living, and you start wanting to escape your reality. Our life was, like I said, we had a lot of things in our life that was not uh, that great. But then you know, there's one of us that's going to live in the misery, and we will die mm -hmm. to be in that good person. And then there's the other one that will do anything to escape it. Mm -hmm. And so again, does not justify it, does not make it okay. It just is what it is. And so, you know, we had to now walk through that. The flip side of that was, was then he had to recognize himself and see that he hadn't, where he had started taking steps down that slippery slope. And we had to recognize the red flags and where he was mentally, emotionally in that process. And so that when we began to heal from that and we began to have those really hard, open conversations, uh, we were able to really look at, at the heart condition mm -hmm. and see where he was. And he had just, you know, so much, so many insecurities about himself. And, and so he was just looking to escape and even a lot of it came from the fact that he saw he saw this as an opportunity to um, revisit dreams of his life that he missed and so mm -hmm. he saw this as a you know an escape to go live this and it's just all this fantasy world that they tell themselves and so that's kind of how that on his end doesn't justify it doesn't make it okay but you can start seeing the the humanity of how easily we can, any one of us in a perfect storm could be mm -hmm. that one to take that first step. Yes. Oh my gosh, Charity, you're hitting the nail on the head. There is a sense of uh, understandable um, moral superiority that's thrown into this. And this is probably the conversations you had with friends afterward who were like, God, never, you can't go back to him. Like, stop. Or I would never. And, and listen, if you've lived long enough on earth, you know that anyone can screw up at any time. And it, it, you're right. You're very, very right. I mean, it, it's hard to take away the knee-jerk instinctive anger and the, the emotional reaction, but you're right. And you're right. And I feel that he is lucky 
to have a partner who is um, not only open to like seeing the complexity of the problem, but but eager to investigate, eager to look within herself. And you said that right after this was discovered, he didn't come back begging. Like the movies are always like, oh, take me back, honey. I mean, that had to have been shocking too. And, and moreover, did he remain with this woman while you were on break for those eight months? Yeah, he, yeah, he <gasps> left. He left, yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and I think one of those things, you know, so many times during that time, it doesn't, nothing makes sense. And I don't know where it came from, but I kept saying, you're lying. I don't believe you. You keep telling me that you love her. I don't believe you. There's no possible way that this is love. And I don't know why, but I just, I guess, cause I saw him when he was himself and he was not himself during that time. He was, it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And every I wasn't, woman, every woman I know, by the way, who's experienced this has said the same thing. It was like a body snatchers. Yeah. I, I at one point I was convinced that he had sold his soul to Satan and he was now possessed. I'm not even joking. I thought they were in some weird sort of mm-hmm. whatever, because he was like so, Yes. And so I didn't believe it. I'm like, I don't believe it. I don't believe you. I don't believe her. I don't believe any of it. And so I just refused to, and I, what I think what's so hard for women though, is what, what happens with the affair is it, it shatters you and it feels like his affair is exposing your insecure or making you feel insecure, right? He broke me. He shattered me. But all his affair does is it shatters your house of mirrors that you've created and it exposes the insecurities that were already there. Hmm. Those deep insecurities that you don't feel that you're good enough, that you're lovable. We hide them behind our husband. And as long as he's loving to us and as long as he's doing all the right things, then it matters masks our insecurities and our fears, but they Mm -hmm. always come up in other ways in the relationship. So when his affair, it, it exposes that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when he says, I don't love you, I love her. We, we believe that because we already have that deep insecurity that we're not lovable. And so we immediately will believe this lie that he's telling us because it, that's what we do when we have an insecurity and someone Mm -hmm. speaks to that insecurity, we believe it Mm -hmm. because that's what we truly believe about ourselves deep inside. And so that's, that's what I saw. I was able to understand. I don't know where it came from or why I was able to sense that, but over and over and over again, it's the same thing that it's, it's, that is the lie. The truth is what you knew before. And if you can allow them that time to get through that, that fog, that limerence, they get to the other side, they kind of come back to their senses and they're like, what the heck have I done? That's when you see your husband return. And that's when you receive that truth about him come back. And what did that look like for you guys? I mean, like, I'm curious in that eight month period, let's call it like that purgatory. Was there Mm -hmm. daily reach outs for you? Were you trying to talk to him? Were you trying to engage with him? Um, And what did it look like when he finally snapped back? So at first it was, at first I was very clingy. I was needy. I was crying. I was Mm -hmm. begging like, please, please, please. Can we just talk about this? Can we figure this out? All that. It was horrible. He was so cold. He was shutting me down. He did not want to talk to me. He did not want to have any of that. So finally, it took me a while to finally just stop all of that. Mm -hmm. And I finally was just like, fine. If that's what you want, have at it. And I did, I, I mentally 
let him go, mm-hmm. go live your life, go do your thing. And that's when I kind of dug my heels in, but that doesn't mean I'm breaking my promise. Right. So I'm not going to run to the divorce court because I'm letting you go do like that. I'm sticking to my, and so I just stayed my course. And that's why I really started diving into my self and working on myself, working on my self-esteem, working on my self-worth, really figuring all this stuff out for myself. So I, you know, and it was very volatile. I'm not acting like I was some like, you know, pious nun through all this. It was, there was a lot of heated interactions and and frustrations and all this sort of thing. But eventually, you know, when you get out of the way and then, you know, they see what their new reality looks like, it's not always peachy and beautiful. Like they thought in their head when they were in their Mm -hmm. fantasy world. And so it, very typically there's an unraveling on that other side. So the affair, you know, very few affairs uh, last more than a year, very few um, stick together. You know, there are those that do, but very few. And so there was this unraveling, several months of unraveling. Uh, And then it came to the point where he just kind of made that decision. I'm done. I don't want this. Um, when he came back, I had actually done enough of my own work and my own that I had mm-hmm. this inner strength that I was like, we're doing this differently. Mm-hmm. We're not playing the same game. We're not going to we're not going back to the marriage we had. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it differently. And so he kind of met a different person. I wasn't the weak, desperate, needy wife. Mm-hmm. You know, I had done so much work that so now um that's when he came and I, he came back, he was quite broken. You know, he was a shell. He recognized that he had blew, blew up everything good in his life. And a lot of times that when someone does that, they don't believe they could ever fix it. They think they messed it up too badly. They, you know, they feel like she'll never forgive me. She'll hate Mm -hmm. me forever. And, but Matt said he came to the point where he was willing to live that, like he was willing to take that risk of me hating him forever because he knew this is what he wanted. And so, you know, he kind of came to that broken place to where he was willing to take that chance. And he did, he, he put the work in, he became, he was very transparent, very honest. He allowed me to ask any questions. He was, he, you know, allowed me to cry, grieve, whatever I needed to do through that. He was very uh, solid support through all of that. And so that's where we slowly begin to rebuild from that broken foundation. What are, what's one of the things he said to you in that apology period that struck out that was convincing enough to you? And, and, and I know that you were very forgiving and um, you had sort of examined your own role and, and, and you weren't reacting from the victim only mentality. So that being said, but like, what was it that he said that like brought you back? I, I wasn't willing to play any games with him. And Mm -hmm. so when he first came back, I said, I'm not doing this. I'm done. I'm done playing this game with you. And so he, he looked at me and he said, you've been fighting for us when I wasn't fighting. He's like, now it's my turn to fight for us. And so he, he carried the weight himself until I was ready to believe him, I guess. How long did that take? 
Uh, it was a, it was probably a couple months. We didn't move back in together. We lived in the same house, but he stayed in a spare bedroom. And so we were very separate and he was very respectful of my space, um, my boundaries. You know, he was willing to take it as slow as I wanted it. And and so it was a, a several months, two to three months, I would say, before I finally said, you know, okay, let's, I kind of op- cracked the door open a little mm-hmm. bit and allowed him in. And so, and, and, you know, after something like this, you don't ever go back, you don't ever go back to how it was before. So mm-hmm. you never go to that place where he'll never do that. Right. I think that's one of the things that we, the, the thing, things that we miss in the beginning when we believe our spouse could never do that. Mm-hmm. That is forever gone. Now we know he could. That is something that he could possibly do. And I believe it's something that I could possibly do. And so because of this, we keep our eyes open. We, we I keep my eyes open. I, I always am looking for the warning signs and the, and the red flags, but I've also done this enough. We've done so much healing that I know the early signs these those very early signs when we slowly start disconnecting when we start slowly disrespecting each other and, and we're those those early mm-hmm. stages of of breakdown we're even aware of those and so tell us what those are what, what those were for you at least or what they could be for other people yeah so I think a lot of it comes down to the familiarity so when we are when we are so familiar with someone, we stop treating them like something i've I've learned that Vietnamese culture they spouses always treat each other as an honored guest, hmm. so they're always constantly treating each other with kindness and respect, no matter what and so I think what oftentimes happens is you know we hold on to grievances. We hold on to our judgment, right? And so we get snarky with our spouse. We get Hmm. disrespectful, just low key, low grade. Um, You know, if if our spouse isn't meeting our expectations, you know, we start holding resentment and we can get underhanded and, and different things like that. And so some of the things, so we've really work through that to where we don't treat our each other with disrespect. We're constantly looking to improve that, treat each other with that unconditional love. You know, so much beforehand was a conditional love. You do this for me, or I do this for you. I expect you to do it for me. We've really learned how to do unconditional love, unconditional giving. We give and because that's what we want to do because mm-hmm. of our love and and not always keeping a tally, right? Right. Cause the resentment comes when we keep tallies as well. He, he hasn't done blah, 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 you know? And so those are the things that we've really worked hard um, for those early stages. So when we start feeling that disconnect, right, we start feeling a little disconnected. We notice it. So we know, okay, it's time to go on a date. It's time to reconnect. It's time to do mm-hmm. something together that we can reconnect in that or not feeling so disconnected. If you could go back and erase that experience and as a result, the people you've become, would you? No, never. I would do it again. It's weird. I, it, it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but yet mm. it has become the best thing that has ever happened to us. I, I, I say all the time, it is the, the best thing that has happened. It, it transformed me. It transformed him. It transformed our family a thousand percent. I forgot to mention this in, in the beginning, but at the time you had children, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we had four kids in five years. That's very stressful. So they were all very young. I feel like it's a gift that they were so young because they have no memory of that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they were, let's see, I think they were six to two, seven to two. All four of them just kind of stair-stepped down. So now they are all... Uh, next Monday, all four will be teenagers. So we now have a house full of teenagers. So are you, are you ever worried that they'll look at what you do? And obviously you're public in your story and this rosy image they have of mom and dad will just be tainted. Um, well, early on when they were younger, right. Younger children, preteens, I, I've been very open about our story. Okay. Uh, and Matt has supported me in sharing very early on when I first mm-hmm. wanted to share, you know, he was really hesitant. And so I remember telling him, I said, you know, right now you carry a lot of shame and you can go, you go into circ- friends, circle friends and stuff, and you don't know who knows what, right. It got mm-hmm. out. He was pretty high profile in our life. And I was like, you never know who knows what. And so people are going to be gossiping and talking. I was like, but if you tell the story then they have nothing to gossip about, they have not, you have nothing mm-hmm. to hide. You can walk into any room and they already know your story. And so he was like, okay. So each time I would share, you know, I'd let him see it first, make sure I was telling it from my perspective. Um, so I've been very open about it over the years. And so with the kids, you know, I was always worried, you know, mm-hmm. but as they got older, um, the way it, found out I was writing about it and I had it on my computer sitting on the desk in the, in the, or on the counter in the kitchen. I didn't even think about it. And we started getting ready for school and it was sitting there. And one of my kids was like looking at the computer and she's like, wait, daddy had an affair on you. And I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh my God. So I just, I just, was as open and honest with them. I said, yes. I said, daddy lost his way and he thought he wanted to love somebody else. And so he tried it out and he realized he made the worst mistake of his life. And he chose to come back to us and his family and fight for our family. And it was one of those things where it's kind of there's three of the kids and they were, it was kind of quiet for a second. And so they asked a few other clarifying questions to see if they understood exactly what was happening. And I'm like, yep. My husband Mm -hmm. was in the bedroom getting ready. And all of a sudden my oldest daughter was like, daddy. Oh "Oh goodness. She's like, I just want you to know you're the best daddy ever. And I just, In that moment, I recognized that she saw the story of redemption. She Mm -hmm. has lived through the years of watching him and I heal together, love together, grow together. She has seen the other side of it. And so Mm -hmm. she didn't see the hell we walked through. She saw the healing that we walked. And so to her, it was a story of redemption. And it made her quite proud that her dad chose his family chose to heal and not walk away and so that's and so now we are very open about it I knew you know I know my I get a lot of flack online I get a lot of stuff online and so we've been very open with our kids since then Mm -hmm. about it they know they've seen the comments I've we've allowed them to see what people say and we talk about it we've been very open about it and I think it gives them a a more realistic perception mm-hmm. of humanity. I think they see that the, 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 
the flawed humanity is not a black stain, right? Some of the one thing I say mm -hmm. is our darkness as humanity doesn't make us flawed. It just makes us human. And mm -hmm. if we are willing to face that darkness in ourselves and heal those parts of ourselves and forgive each other, love each other, forgive ourselves, um, we grow as humanity and we can actually flourish from that. It's when we continue to hide those parts of ourselves that we slowly die as humanity. Well, I hope for the record, she was equally proud of you because there is um, always a person who's the root system of the family. And I know you had your own work to do, but I hope you got the respect you deserve there too, because it sounds like you were the one who held down the fort at the important times. So yes, a hundred percent. And I know I, I, I know I do. I, I feel that with my family for sure. And I've, Matt has said over and over again, how grateful he is. And, you know, it's been very well established. Yeah. I know that that was um, definitely that foundational roots that, that held it together during that storm. And I'm grateful that I stuck it out. I'm really grateful I did it. And I'm sure you get this question all the time, but how do you trust again, especially now that that get out of jail free card, which is like, <laughs> you know, I think by default, we, whether or not we acknowledge that we would stay or go, that's kind of the built in rule. Like you get one chance to not screw it up. So how do you trust him again? Uh, I, well, I don't know that it's really a get out of jail free card because it was so hard to heal. Yeah. And there was still so many consequences that we've dealt with. Um, you know, even to this day, Matt still feels that he feels the long tail effects. A lot of our relation, a lot of his relationships have, are still affected by his decisions. And so there's really no get out of jail free card, but I would say that as far as trusting again, it started with trusting myself, learning to trust mm -hmm. myself and knowing that no matter what comes, I can make it through. No matter what happens, I will know what to do. I will have the strength to get through it. And so once I began to really trust myself and know that I was going to be able to make it through and I was my own cheerleader. And so once I really believe that about myself, then I am, you know, I keep my eyes open and, and Matt really was doing that work to become trustworthy again. And as he became trustworthy again, and I could trust myself, there came this point where I was kind of locked in that fear of what if this happened again. Mm -hmm. And I finally just came to the point that I told myself, if or when it ever happens, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But mm -hmm. until then, I choose to trust. And that's how I've lived my life every day since that day. And it sets me free from any sort of worry or fear. Mm -hmm. And and that's how I like living. Yeah, well, again, you you hit the nail on the head. It comes down to you knowing yourself. And if there, mm -hmm. it sounds like if there were ever a silver lining to your story, it's that sense of strength and self-worth that you ultimately came out with. Yeah, 100%. Um, we're about to wrap things up, Charity, but um, okay. I wanted to ask you one final question. Um, in light of all you've been through, in light of your struggle and your, your sort of journey to recovery with your husband, do you think it's possible to ever really cheat-proof a marriage? No, I call it cheat resilience. 
So you can, you can have cheat resiliency and I've kind of touched on a little bit as far as you, you now know what the red flags are. You now know what the root causes of it, right? So you, you've talked about it. You, you know what those signs are. And so I think that's what you just look for and you see and you sense it. And I also think too, you know, you know, Matt and I have talked about it and, you know, not that he's like, I don't ever want to go through that again. And I'm the same way. And so because of that, you know, we're willing to do that hard work to keep ourselves off of that cliff. Mm -hmm. Noticing those signs, keeping connected. Um, I am so grateful for your time and your wisdom, Cherry. Thank you for talking with me today. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you. Tell us how to connect with you. I know you work, as you mentioned, with couples and with individuals. So um, how can we get in touch? How can we listen to your podcast? All that stuff. So my podcast is on a hiatus right now. So hopefully next year we'll get that back up and running. But my website is charitycraig.com. I am Charity L. Craig on all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. And then I also have a Facebook support group for any women who are going through this and they do want to heal their marriage. It's called Healing Your Marriage After His Affair. And so that's on Facebook. It's a free support group. There's over 4,000 women going through this same thing, supporting each other, loving each other. Um, So that's available for anybody that's going through it. Okay. Thank you again so much for spending time with me, Charity. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of We Gotta Talk. If you don't mind, I would love if you could leave a rating and review. Those help this show to get out to people who might find it useful or entertaining. I'm so grateful for your support. Please follow on Instagram at Sunny Nevada or check out our latest blog post at wegotatalk.com slash blog. See you next time.